0: Chapter Fifteen of Across the Years This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Derbyshire. Across the Years by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter Fifteen When Aunt Abby Waked Up. The room was very still the gaunt figure on the bed lay motionless save for a slight lifting of the chest at long intervals the face was turned toward the wall leaving a trail of thin gray hair wisps across the pillow just outside the door two physicians talked together in low tones with an occasional troubled glance toward the silent figure on the bed if there could be something that would rouse her murmured one something that would prick her willpower and goad into action "'But this lethargy, this wholesale given up,' "'he finished with a gesture of despair. "'I know,' frowned the other, "'and I've tried, day after day I've tried, "'but there's nothing. "'I've exhausted every means in my power. "'I didn't know but you,' he paused questioningly. "'The younger man shook his head. "'No,' he said. "'If you can't, I can't. "'You've been her physician for years.' if anyone knows how to reach her you should know i suppose you've thought of her son oh yes jed was sent for long ago but he had gone somewhere into the interior on a prospecting trip and was very hard to reach it is doubtful if word gets to him at all until too late as you know perhaps it is rather an unfortunate case he has not been home for years anyway and the nortons james is mrs darling's nephew have been making all the capital they can out of it and have been prejudicing her against him quite unjustly in my opinion for i think it's nothing more nor less than the thoughtlessness on the boy's part "Hmm. too bad too bad murmured the other as he turned and led the way to the street door back in the sick-room the old woman still lay motionless on the bed she was wondering as she had wondered so often before why it took so long to die for days now she had been trying to die decently and in order there was really no particular use in living so far as she could see ella and jim were very kind but after all they were not jed and jed was away hopelessly away and he did not even want to come back so ella and jim said there was that money too she did not like to think of the money it seemed to her that every nickel and dime and quarter that she had painfully wrested from the cost of keeping soul and body together all these past years lay now on her breast with a weight that crushed like lead she had meant that money for jed ella and jimmy were kind of course and she was willing they should have it yet jed but jed was away and she was so tired she had ceased to rouse herself either for the medicine or for the watery broth they forced through her lips it was so hopelessly dragged out this dying yet it must be over soon she had heard them tell the neighbors only yesterday that she was unconscious and that she did not know a thing of what was passing around her and she had smiled but only in her mind her lips she knew had not moved They were talking now, Ella and Jim, out in the other room. Their voices, even their words, were quite distinct. And dreamily, indifferently, she listened. "You see," said Jim, "as long as I've got to go to town tomorrow, anyhow, it seems a pity not to draw it all up at once. I could order the coffin and the undertaker. It's only a question of a few hours, anyway, and it seems it's a pity to make another trip." Just for that, in the bedroom, the old woman stirred suddenly. Somewhere, away back behind the consciousness of things, something snapped and sent the blood tingling from toes to fingertips. A fierce anger sprang instantly into life and brushed the cobwebs of lethargy and indifference from her brain. She turned and opened her eyes, fixing them upon the oblong patch of light that marked the doorway leading to the room beyond where sat ella and jim just for that jimmy had said and that was her death it was not worth it seemed even an extra trip to town and she had done so much so much for those two out there let's see today monday jim went on we might fix the funeral for saturday i guess and i'll tell the folks at the store to spread it Putting it on Saturday'll give us a little extra time if she shouldn't happen to go soon's we expect. Though there ain't much fear o' that now, I guess. She's so slow, and it'll save me most half a day to do it all up this trip. I ain't. What's that? He broke off sharply. From the inner room had seemed to come a choking, inarticulate cry. With a smothered ejaculation, Jim picked up the lamp hurried into the sick-room and tiptoed to the bed the gaunt figure lay motionless face to the wall leaving a trail of thin gray hair whips across the pillow gosh muttered the old man as he turned away there's nothing doing but it did give me a start on the bed the woman smiled grimly but the man did not see it it was snowing hard when jim got back from town tuesday night He came blustering into the kitchen with stamping feet and wild flung arms, scattering the powdery whiteness in all directions. Phew! It's a regular blizzard, he began, but he stopped short of the expression on his wife's face. Why, Ella, he cried. Jim, Aunt Abby sat up ten minutes in bed today. She called for toast and tea. Jim dropped into a chair. His jaw fell open. Sat up? He stammered, "Yes, but she—hang it all! Herrick's coming tomorrow with the coffin." Oh, Jim! Well, I can't help it. You know how she was this morning," retorted Jim sharply. "I thought she was dead once. Why, I most had Herrick come back with me to-night I was so sure." "I know it," shivered Ella. "But you hadn't been gone an hour, for she began to stir and notice things." I found her looking at me first, and it gave me such a turn I most dropped the medicine bottle in my hand. I was clearing off the little table by her side, and she was following me around with them big grey eyes. Slickin' up? she asks after a minute. And I could a dropped right there and then, cause I was slickin' up for her fun row. Where's Jim? she asks then. Gone to town, says I. Kind of faint-like. Hm, she says and snaps her lips tight shut. After a minute she opens em again. I think I'll have some tea and toast, she says, casual like, just as she's been calling for victuals every day for a month past. And when I brought it, she didn't drag herself up in bed and call for a pillar to her back, so she could set up. And there she stayed, panting and gasping but setting up, and she stayed there till the toast and tea was gone. Gosh groaned Jim hood i thought it course ain't that i grudge the old lady's livin he added hurriedly but just now it's so unhandy things bein as they be we can't very well he stopped a swift change come into his face say ella he cried maybe it's just a spurt for-for the last don't it happen sometimes that way when folks is dyin i don't know shuddered ella i thought i heard her and she hurried across the hall to the sitting-room and the bedroom beyond it didn't snow much through the night but in the early morning it began again with increased severity the wind rose too and by the time herrick the undertaker drove into the yard the storm had become a blizzard i calculated if i didn't get this air coffin here pretty quick there wouldn't be no getting it here yet a while called herrick cheerfully as jim came to the door jim flushed and raised a warning hand "Sh, herrick look out he whispered hoarsely she ain't dead yet you'll have to go back go back snorted herrick why man alive it was as much as my life's worth to get here there won't be no going back yet awhile for me or no one else i calculate and the quicker you get this here coffin in an out stone the better twill be he went on authoritatively as he leaped to the ground it was not without talk and a great deal of commotion that the untimely addition to james northern's household effects was finally deposited in the darkened parlor neither was it accomplished without some echo of the confusion reaching the sick-room despite all efforts of concealment jim perspiring red-faced and palpably nervous was passing on tiptoe through the sitting-room when a quavering voice from the bedroom brought him to a halt jim is that you yes aunt abby who's come jim's face grew white then red come he stammered yes i heard a sleigh and voices who is it why just just a man on on business he flung over his shoulder as he fled through the hall not half an hour later came ella's turn in accordance with the sick woman's orders she had prepared tea toast and a boiled egg but she had not set the tray on the bed when the old woman turned upon her two keen eyes who's in the kitchen ella with jim ella started guiltily why just a-a man who is it ella hesitated then knowing that the seat was useless she stammered out the truth why er uh, only mr herrick not william herrick the undertaker there was apparently only pleased surprise in the old woman's voice yes ella nodded feverishly he had business out of this way and and got snowed up she explained with some haste you don't say murmured the old woman "Well." ask him in i'd like to see him aunt abby ella's teeth fairly chattered with dismay yes i'd like to see him repeated the old woman with cordial interest call him in and ella could do nothing but obey herrick however did not stay long in the sick-room the situation was uncommon for him and not without its difficulties as soon as possible he fled to the kitchen telling jim that it gave him the creeps to have her ask him where he'd started for and if business was good all that day it snowed and all that night nor did the dawn of friday be in clear skies for hours the wind had swept the snow from roofs and hilltops, piling it into great drifts that grew moment by moment deeper and more impassable in the farmhouse herrick was still a prisoner the sick woman was better Even Jim knew now that it was no momentary flare of the candle before it went out. Mrs. Darling was undeniably improving in health. She had sat up several times in bed, and had begun to talk of wrappers and slippers. She ate toast, eggs, and jellies, and hinted at chicken and beefsteak. She was weak, to be sure, but behind her, supporting and encouraging, there seemed to be a curious strength a strength that sent a determined gleam to her eyes and a grim tenseness to her lips at noon the sun came out and the wind died in fitful gusts the two men attacked the drifts with a will and made a path to the gate they even attempted to break out the road and herrick harnessed his horse and started for home but he had not gone ten rods before he was forced to turn back tain't no use he grumbled i calculate i'm booked here till the crack o doom and tomorrow's the fun route groaned jim and i can't get nowhere nowhere to tell em not ter come well it don't look now as if anybody'd come or go snapped the undertaker saturday dawned fair and cold early in the morning the casket was moved from the parlor to the attic there had been sharp words at the breakfast table herrick declaring that he had made a sale and refusing to take the casket back to town hence the move to the attic but in spite of their caution the sick woman heard the commotion what you been cartin upstairs she asked in a mildly curious voice ella was ready for her a chair she explained smoothly the one that was broke in the front room you know and she did not think it was necessary to add that the chair was not all that had been moved she went and changed colour, however, when her aunt observed. Hm Must be your expecting company, Ella. It was almost two o'clock when loud voices and the crunch of heavy teams told that the road-breakers had come. All morning the Nortons had been hoping against hope that the fateful hour would pass, and the road be still left in unbroken whiteness. Someone, however, had known his duty too well, and had done it i set her work first thing on this road said the man triumphantly to ella as he stood shovel in hand at the door the parson's right behind and there's a lot more behind him gory i was afraid i wouldn't get here in time but a funeral wa'n't till two was it ella's dry lips refused to move she shook her head there's a mistake she said faintly there ain't no funeral aunt abby's better the man stared then he whistled softly gory he muttered as he turned away if jim and ella had supposed that they could keep their aunt from attending her own funeral as herrick persisted in calling it they soon found their mistake mrs darling heard the bells of the first arrival i guess maybe i'll get up and set up a spell she announced calmly to ella i'll have my wrapper and my slippers and i'll set in the big chair out in the sitting room that's parson jerry's boys and i want to see him but aunt abby began ella feverishly well i declare if there ain't another sleigh drivin in cried the old woman excitedly sitting up in bed and peering through the little window must be they're givin us a surprise party now hurry ella and git them slippers i ain't a-goin to lose none o the fun and ella nervous perplexed and thoroughly frightened did as she was bid in state in the big rocking-chair the old woman received her guests she said little it is true but she was there and if she noticed that no guest entered the room without a few whispered words from ella in the hall she made no sign neither did she apparently consider it strange that ten women and six men should have braved the cold to spend fifteen rather embarrassed minutes in her sitting-room and for this last both ella and jim were devoutly grateful they could not help wondering about it however after she had gone to bed and the house was still what do ye s'pose she thought whispered jim i don't know shivered ella but jim want not it awful Miss Blair brought a white wreath. everlastin's One by one the days passed, and Jim and Ella ceased to tremble every time the old woman opened her lips. There was still that fearsome thing in the attic, but the chance of discovery was small now. If she should find out, Ella had said, to be the end of the money for us. But she ain't goin' to find out, Jim had retorted she can't last long course and i guess she won't change the will now unless some one tells her and i'll be plaguy careful there don't no one do that the funeral was a week old when mrs darling came into the sitting-room one day fully dressed i put on all my clothes she said smilingly in answer to ella's shocked exclamation i got restless somehow and sick old wrappers besides i wanted to walk around the house a little I get kind of tired, or just one room. And she limped across the floor to the hall door. But Aunt Abby, where are you going now? faltered Ella. Just up in the attic. I wanted to see. She stopped in apparent surprise. Ella and Jim had sprung to their feet. The attic? they gasped. Yes, I... But you mustn't. You ain't strong enough. You'll fall. There's nothing there they exclaimed wildly talking both together and hurrying forward oh i guess 2 not kill me said the old woman and something in the tone of her voice made them fall back they were still staring into each other's eyes when the hall door closed sharply behind her it's all up breathed jim fully fifteen minutes passed before the old woman came back she entered the room quietly and limped across the floor to the chair by the window It's real pretty, she said. I always did like grey. Grey, stammered Ella. Yes, for coffins, you know. Jim made a sudden movement and started to speak, but the old woman raised her hand. You don't need to say anything, she interposed cheerfully. I just wanted to make sure where it was, so I went up. You see, Jed's coming home, and I thought he might feel queer if he ran onto it, casual-like. Jed, coming home? The old woman smiled oddly. Oh, I didn't tell you, did I? The doctor had his telegram yesterday and brought it over to me. You know, he was here last night. Read it. And she pulled from her pocket a crumpled slip of paper, and Jim read, "Shall be there the eighth. For God's sake, don't let me be too late. J. D. Darling End of chapter 15